0: I'm speaking with Pat Pease, Mary Beth Barcados, Gail Ortiz, Tommy Newman, and Judith Feynman. Together, they are Misty v. Moonfree, and they have a new Capitola mystery titled A Killer Festival. Thank you for joining me, ladies.
1: Nice to Nice to be here.
0: Well, this is your second book in less than a year. The first one took quite a bit longer. I'm guessing (laughs) that you learned from your first book in terms of how to put them together. Pat, why don't you tell me what your contribution was to the second book. Did you feel that? How much did you learn from writing the first one?
1: Oh, quite a bit, quite a bit. But first, I want to tell you the inception of this book, because I think it's kind of funny. We had finished the first book. We'd had our wonderful reception, and uh, obviously it was was going to go a few places, locally at least. And we all went, phew, that's over. We've done it. And I think about an hour later, Mary (laughs) Beth said, I have an idea. (laughs) And before anybody knew it, we were signed on for book number two.
0: Mary Beth, tell me, what was your idea, and why did you have it, and what made you brave enough to speak it?
2: Well, I just thought, since Tommy lives in Coralitas, that we could set our second book in Corralitas. Well... (laughs) Because there are dark places up in the hills there, and we thought mysterious and and be a good place for characters, odd people to hang out. And Pat had an idea about involving environmentalists, tree huggers, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so that sort of fit in. Well, then we got to talking about it. We what we said: How is this going to connect with Capitola? And then we started talking more, and we said, well, our first book was called a capito- The Jewel Box, A Capitola Mystery. And we thought, well, we really need to write a capito- another Capitola mystery. And um, someone else can tell about how we got involved with the Begonia Festival. <laughs>
0: uh, Tommy, why well, don't you tell actually, me how you got involved with the, the Begonia Festival?
3: Well, first I actually suggested that we... Think about the, uh, the fungi fair in Santa Cruz and poison mushrooms and that kind of thing. And right away, Gail said, no, no, let's do the festival, the begonia festival. And I think it took off from there. By the time we stopped talking, we'd all decided the begonia festival was really what we needed to use.
0: Gail, the Begonia Festival, that happens just down the street from, from your place, your, your famous bakery. Tell yes. us a little bit about, do you, are you involved with it as a, as a business?
4: Not, not in the last few years, no. I mean, we do sponsor it, uh, but we're not involved with it. But I live on the creek. Okay. <laughs> so I'm intimately involved with it, as far as having people build floats on my property. And when you live in Capitola, anywhere near the creek, you're involved with it some way or other. There's just people everywhere, begonias floating everywhere, hanging off of trees, everything. So uh, we, I think, we wanted to do something about Soquel Creek because it's such a beautiful, amazing sight on that lagoon and uh, the creek. And so we did the, we decided to do the
0: festival. Judith. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your involvement with the Begonia Festival. I mean, have you been to many
5: of them? I've been to a few, and they've been really interesting and, and a lot of fun and a lot of laughter that comes off of the bridges, overlooking. Getting to writing this second book, we needed a way to get two of the main characters back into Capitola, and we came up with a plan of having one of the characters from the Jewel Box get married and have Dan come up here, and he was... The detective in L.A. who helps solve the crime, and the wedding takes place during the Begonia Festival. He had come up here to work for the Capitola Police Department, and Karen comes up to visit him, and off we went.
0: You know, the, the Begonia Festival is a sunny, happy time. You're telling me about <laughs> flowers floating down the river. Uh, Gail, why did you choose to have that beauty and the setting for such a dark incident. To knock someone off? (laughs) Yeah.
4: (laughs) Well, because we write mysteries. (laughs) We didn't have a choice. Uh, And it does, at night, get a little spooky on the creek. Uh, There's a lot of great sounds, screeching of raccoons, and uh, the the, uh, whole riparian corridor is almost like an amphitheater. Sounds carry back and forth, and you can hear strange conversations way down the creek. I live eight houses up and on the other side of the creek from the Shadowbrook, but I can hear people talking, and I can hear what they're saying mm-hmm. a lot of nights. So I go out at night, and I listen, and they're very jovial.
0: Did any of your eavesdropping uh, yield material for the book?
3: No. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we say? <laughs> Although we did include Shadowbrook as a rendezvous place for Karen and Dan so it's described well
0: we've got Karen and Dan back Uh, Mary Beth can you tell me who else we we brought you brought back did you uh, bring anybody back from the previous book
2: um well the person who's getting married is Summer and in the jewel box Summer's mom uh, works at the jewelry store and uh, so Summer also helps there now Summer has gone off to LA to become a model Summer comes back to marry her kind of high school sweetheart and um, the the sweetheart is part of a group of guys that have traditionally built built prize-winning floats and there are five of them and their name is the Bozo Brigade. So we had a great time with the Bozo Brigade building afloat for the parade which is can I tell what the parade's called what the theme for this year for our year is called royalty gone mad and they have (laughs) (laughs) we're hoping the
4: festival
1: picks it up (laughs) (laughs) be a great Mm tie-in
2: so Summer and her mom Margot are back and then there are a couple peripheral characters um that were in the other book, Weldon and Beverly, and they they make an appearance.
4: And the police chief.
3: And the oh, pl- always Mickey the Pratt. police chief. She's quite important. Mm-hmm. In this book. She's more important in this book than she was in the last <laughs> one. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I, I wonder if you care to tell me. There's five of you here. Architecting this kind of book seems with between one person would be a challenge. With five of you, does it become more complicated or or less complicated, Pat?
1: I think it was easier this time around. Uh, We're used to working with each other. We each would go off and do our chapter and then bring it back, and everybody would go over it and nitpick it. And um, it it went, obviously, our first book took, what, five years? And this one we accomplished starting it like, last October. (laughs) And yet we think it's better.
0: Well, well, you know, it's interesting the way you describe this process. It seems to me it, it's like your typical kind of uh, writers group that you might have at a bookstore. Yet you're all focused on one on one project, and that's really interesting. Uh, Gail, could you tell me uh, about your your how did you work into this?
4: Originally, or just how did how did this, I, how did we work this last
0: time? This last time, yeah, tell me.
4: Well, we worked very similarly to the way we worked the first time, where we, uh, whatever, we, we kind of, although let me say that the first time we actually built the story chapter by chapter. We didn't know the ending, we didn't know much about what was happening next when we would write our chapters. This time we really did know what was going to happen in this, uh, pretty much what was going to happen in this book. So we would assign chapters, we'd go away and write. And we were trying to get this done by the Begonia Festival. So it, we were on a real time schedule, mm-hmm. which helped a lot. So we would assign multiple chapters this time and come back and read those chapters. And then all of us, having gotten used to being picked apart, <laughs> just everybody picks everything apart completely. We completely rewrite that those chapters together, sitting at a table together at one of our homes That person, or somebody, Mary Beth often will rewrite the chapter based on all of our edits, and then that's finished, and then we'll move on, we'll move on, we'll move on. Then we get to the finished manuscript, and the first manuscript goes out, and we all do the same thing. We reread, and we tear it all apart, and we come back and completely redo everything we think needs redoing. Then we produce another manuscript, and that one we send out to five or so readers, we read it again, and we have five other people read it. We take their considerations, and then it goes into the final manuscript form. Okay.
0: Tommy Newman, can you tell me about putting together the outline for this? Was it actually an outline, an outline form?
3: We really did start out with a partial outline, I think you'd say. It was about two or three months, and we got up to about chapter 13 or 14 again, and then We really began to know where we were going. We had introduced some new characters into the book, and so they became important to the story. And then we stopped. We really dealt with the wedding first, and we got that far, and then we took on the rest of it and Mm -hmm. finished the outline and pretty much stuck right to it and wrote to it.
0: Mary Beth, can you tell me about some of the new characters that were created or introduced? Who introduced them and why?
2: (laughs) Um, Well, when we started talking about the floats, Gail said, oh, there were these guys that lived up the creek uh, just a short ways from Gail's house and called the Bozo Brigade, and maybe we could just use that. So we just jumped right in and called a friend, and he said... uh, oh, yeah, they're, they're still around here. And so I called and got in touch with one of them uh, who has a business on Commercial Way, And he told me sort of the background, and I said, well, do you mind if we, if we use the Bozo Brigade name? And he said, no, as long as we don't commit the murder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so these are five guys, and we had to develop the characters. And I'll tell you, it was a little of a challenge um, getting language down and clothes down and um, yeah. and their relationships—they've they're gone now. They've they're about 24 now and they've left
5: the area. One has stayed and lived. Um, they're more like they 44 more than, now. Yeah, yeah. Are they 44? Oh yeah. yeah, The ones in the book are like 24 and 25, but yeah, the yeah. ones. Yeah, they were
4: in their probably in their late 20s or early 30s when they lived near me. They're middle age now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but oh. They, our, our Bozo Brigade is a very different Bozo Brigade than, than the originals. Yes, the, yeah. none, of the, none
4: of the characters are the same. We use their name, and we use their Joie de Vivre uh, doing floats, let's put it that yeah. way. Um, other than that, they are completely different people, and we didn't mean to replicate any of them in, this, in the story personally.
0: Could you tell this uh, floats are kind of a science to do this? Did you guys have to do a lot of research into how to create floats, or are, had you been float people before? When
4: well, you live in Capitola, you know you're how to part do it. Of the floats. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: our daughters helped many years building floats, and we've just always been part of it in our family.
0: Well, yeah. could you tell me a little bit, Mary Beth? Uh, since you seem to be the have the float builders in the family. And Gail, yeah, Gail. Uh, between the two of you, tell me what? How do you build these floats? Are, are these are floats that go down a street, right? I, no. No. Oh, they float down. They float on the water. These oh, are floating logical.
2: floats. <laughs> okay. You've never, well, you been the <laughs> no, I've never
0: seen the, the Capitola oh, Begonia Festival floats. To see
4: it.
3: Oh. You
5: oh, have to at
4: least go by Saturday night. To, uh-huh. You know, all all listeners go by on Saturday night while everybody's building them, and it's beautiful down by the creek, and everyone's busy building their floats. And
5: it's all lit up, yeah, and food is going around, <laughs> and people are drinking and having a party. You know? And
3: everything's made with begonias, yeah, which are so beautiful.
0: Well, well, tell me, how do we make these floats? Do you, do you own boats? Do you buy rafts? or The city
4: provides uh, an 8x8 eight eight flat raft, and they come onto the creek on Friday, and then uh, people have been already building, teams have been building these uh, plywood, wood, and chicken wire frames that then they bring down usually Friday night. Saturday morning, everybody goes out to uh, Monterey to the begonia fields and picks begonias in these flats, these old beer flats, because you can only put them one deep or else they smash, and then they come back, they begin wiring the begonias, putting a wire through the back of them, so dozens of people wire each float's begonias, and other people are putting the structure on, and then they begin to actually wire the begonias onto the chicken wire and people have big spray guns of water to try to keep them moist so they don't wilt and uh, each year there's a different theme and it gets really wild on the creek about one o'clock on uh, Sunday afternoon the MC gets onto the creek you can hear it all throughout Capitola and the the nautical parade starts to music and uh, usually there's a little scene that goes on around each float and a little play kind of a thing and it's really fun.
0: It sounds like fun, <laughs> Pat. So amidst all these flowers and all this fun, where's uh, the darkness? Where's who, who's who's getting knocked off and why? As much as you it. can tell, us. We can't tell
1: you. Well, well, we can't. But we do have a device that um, seems to work well. We think, and that is um, our last book was kind of slow getting into a real murder, and in fact, in this book the actual murder doesn't happen right away till the later on, and and so there is a device called the voice, and the voice speaks at various intervals throughout the book, and you hear his inner thoughts, or her inner thoughts, working, uh, planning and plotting the murder that will take place.
0: Well, now this is fascinating. Did just one of you write the voice, or did each of you contribute mm-hmm. to the voice?
1: Mm-mm. Just one.
0: It was Gail's. It was Gail. Oh, Gail. <laughs> <laughs> so you're the one that all the rest of them have to watch, huh?
3: Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I,
4: I, uh, I do like the the darker parts
3: of writing a lot. <laughs> you um, discover she has a dark side.
1: <laughs> 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 no, which we all relish. Yeah, yeah and you really, really do, do <laughs> anyway. Right. Yeah,
4: so... What happened was we got about halfway through the book, and I was getting very nervous that the murder hadn't taken place, and I <laughs> felt like it was okay, because that was the way that the story was going, but I thought that the reader was could get antsy, and so we, we uh, my husband and I started talking about different ways to do it, you know, and he said something about, you know, you can have a voice, you know, he's really the writer in the family, and he said something about, you can have a voice there's, you know, you're talking about voices in books, you know, and he didn't really mean the voice, but I can remember over the breakfast table that morning, I said, the voice, a voice, we could have a voice, and so we, uh, we started in right at the very beginning of the book, the voice speaks and talks about something, and then we have a few more chapters, and then the voice comes back, and all the voice chapters are um, in italics, so you can for sure tell that this is, a specific voice speaking.
0: Now when you're writing a mystery you have to have police involved and police forensics <laughs> and some of that stuff. Who do, where do you get your your inside information?
4: <laughs> chief Rick Ely at the Capitol <laughs> <the> Police Department. <laughs> Thank you, <Gail. laughs> I'll
2: tell you my favorite, this is my favorite thing that happened with, with Mary this book. Um, when we went to see the chief of police here, we're sort of like five Agatha Christie's of different shapes and forms walking into the police department and one of them carrying a bag of cookies for, for the police chief. <laughs> he loved it. He, he, was, he was very good and I thought very clear with us. Um, mm-hmm.
3: yeah. Very gracious with his time and energy. Yeah, and, and gave
2: us them. information that we really needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there is quite a bit more
4: um, murder and mayhem in this one than there was in the last
0: down. Oh boy, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> there's, already, there's too much too many people around here anyway, so this is a good, good creative way to, to knock them off or maybe keep them back.
1: <laughs>
0: Tommy, why don't you tell me maybe about sculpting the emotional arc of the book? This is a book, after all, about a wedding and a murder. That's, a, that's an interesting uh, contrast.
3: Well, it is interesting because you lead into the wedding first, and that, of course, is the, the light-hearted, and and uh, we get to learn more about Summer and her mother, and her mother's husband, his ex-husband, is introduced, who is a character out of the past. So all of this builds up to this light-hearted wedding scene, and uh, and then it gets a little... Darker after, after that there's an accident. We don't know exactly How if it was an accident or if someone was actually attacking someone and then it? Um, then there's the the beauty of the field so you go up and you're let down then you go out to the fields and pick the the begonias and there's all of that which is again quite quite lovely in description and then you come back and then you begin the the float building and then from there it goes up again and comes down.
0: Judith you know there's a lot of characters in this book Mm. I'm wondering if you guys had like a Baseball cards or something <laughs> so, to keep track of, of who who's what, so that you all had were work playing from the same deck of cards. Can you tell me, Judith?
5: Well, it was pretty interesting because it, that was a lot of discussion around the characters, especially any new one that might have been uh, entered into as the Bozos and and Graham, who is Margot's ex, and um, we di- we did talk about that more than writing it down and writing it out because they really lived in our minds. I mean, uh, many of the characters were in the previous book, and we had that pretty much went down. And one of the reasons that, um, this book actually, I think, came about too, not only because of Mary Beth and, and, uh, and Gail's enthusiasm around the Capitol Mystery and the Bologna Festival was because a lot of people after the first book kept asking us what was going to happen with Dan, who was our police captain in the jewel box, and Karen, his just the, the uh, woman he was investigating in a murder and because of that we had to bring them back as well so they were pretty much set in our minds and, and I think that all of us agreed on how each character would be perceived but we would never really wrote down this character behaves this way or that way we just kept talking about it and I must say we, we did meet just about every week lots mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. maybe four or five hours at a time sometimes twice and
0: and that's a lot of work. Yeah. Yes. One of, the,
5: job.
4: One of the things that happened that we didn't really anticipate is when you write a second novel based on a series, you've already introduced some characters. And so for the for your so you've got two readers. You've got readers who are coming back who already know those characters, but then you also have to take into consideration the first-time right. reader right. and don't assume that that first-time reader is going to understand who your character is. So you can't You know, and you don't want to be redundant. You don't, you know, so it's a really interesting way that you have to describe return characters.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Then
4: the other thing that we had going on was um, that we had five bozos, five young men, and trying to give them each a very specific personality based on what they wear, what they do for a living, their background, um, what they look like, everything about them was, you know, we had to continue to inject more... Description as we wrote to make sure that we were clear about who they were and that the reader would be clear about who they are, since there were so many of them.
0: Mary Beth.
2: Well, one thing that developed is, um, in the first book, the city of Ca- the village of Capitola became a character in some ways. Well, in this book, Soquel Creek becomes a character, and we did we did research about the creek and about the the um, biology and um, and looking at it and the sound like you said the sounds and we tried to really give you the feeling for the creek um, one chapter was written um, just about the creek and then we said hmm, maybe we'd better put a person in there so, <laughs> so.
0: now when you're writing about all these characters and talking about them it, it, I can ima- kind of imagine the scene uh, uh, of the five of you there because <laughs> I, I remember when I was just a, a little kid, my I used to go to my grandmother's house and she and my aunt would sit there talking about the people in the soap opera as if they were real. <laughs> and I never really understood that they weren't real <laughs> as a kid. So could you talk about uh, having these conversations? You know, you're, you're at somebody's house, you know, you're at somebody's husband, son's children are wandering through. Could you talk about the um, the lives of these imaginary characters <laughs> as kind of like soap opera gossip?
1: Oh, yes. Uh, Pat? I think we, we all... Strongly identified with one character or another in the book and had had pretty definite feelings about what they were like, what they would think, what they would do. And, you know, I remember myself saying, oh, no, she would never do that. (laughs) Or he wouldn't act that way. He wouldn't say that. And we changed language to be hopefully more appropriate for, for whatever character we were developing.
3: And Mary Beth. Course, clothing Oh, clothing was also very important, the kinds of clothing that each would wear and what their background was, what their jobs were now, and how they were developing, where they were working, the kind of lifestyle they were living uh, now as opposed to when they were in high school. So we really discussed the characters very thoroughly until we felt like we really knew them.
0: Judith, did you find out any new and surprising information about characters you'd already created? Did any did any skeletons come out of
5: anybody's closet?
1: Mhm. you think. Oh, I'm thinking we learned more about Margo. Uh, Margo. In her yeah, v- quite a bit. Early marriage. Oh yeah. Oh, she was up.
5: fleshed out as we say a little bit more in this in this book and her personality came out quite a bit more. Um yeah, that that was kind of a surprise because I, I was writing it, and you, you just kind of feel like you become that person, and and what would you, she do, and and writing by yourself at home and, and thinking about this, you would get into the position how she would be feeling, and doing her her body language, and how she would get up, or walk, or move, or do do something, and it kind of surprised me.
0: Well, you finished your your second book. I I I got a ask you, are you already working on a third? Uh, Gail.
4: Well, it sounds unbelievable, but right the minute we got done with this one, (laughs) Mary Beth said, okay, I've got an idea for the third book. And everyone sort of went, oh my god. Um, I think we'll probably wait a little longer, but it is kind of addictive. Mm
0: -hmm. Pat, could you tell me about uh, how addictive it is? (laughs) I mean, you guys... these these meetings must be kind of social occasions for you too, so you get to catch up. Or Aww. are less, they
1: less so than you would think? Oh, really? Yeah. We really are pretty business like doing them, but um, oh, we have fun though. Huh? Ad- addictive, yeah. yes. I I feel lucky with this book. I got to write a lot of the lighter scenes, uh, the wedding, and a lot to do with this character Graham, who is a mushroom forager up in Mendocino, the ex-husband of Margot, and uh, their gradual, evolving relationship, and uh, I got to write some of the pretty sanitized sex scenes, which, <laughs> since my 13-year-old granddaughter reads, I tried to make funny. <laughs> and uh, anyway, uh, t- that's addictive.
0: Uh, Tommy, uh, tell me why you're always back for for the, for the for the third one. I'm presuming.
3: Well, as Pat says, it really is addictive. Uh, we we're very businesslike in terms of staying with the subject, but in staying with the subject, it is so much fun to tap into each other's ideas and and imaginations and how these characters come out. Pat's talking. I mean, yeah. Pat is talking about uh, this husband, this ex-husband of of uh, Margot, who. It just seemed to come out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, he he is such a full-blown character. Mm -hmm. And we really had fun with him, uh, because it takes you back, their romance, of course, was during the 60s, 70s, so you go back into a little history of that period, and you get to play around with all these different ideas, and and, uh, the changes that have taken place over the years, of different time periods, and clothes, all of that, lifestyles.
0: And you get to bring in the fungi, those deadly yes. poisonous fungi. <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't leave them yes, out. that's the legend. Now, Gail, <laughs> each of you is at home writing for two audiences, or three, really. You're writing for yourself. Mm-hmm. You're also writing for the five of you. And then you're writing for the, writing, the, the people who will read your book. Could you talk about, uh, as you write, how do you think about those audiences?
4: I think we naturally write for ourselves and one another, but our focus is writing for the reader. And we had a really good uh, opportunity this time, because we know who our reader is now, and we know what she, mostly she, although we did have some really great um, male Mm -hmm. readers who were very vocal about how much they liked it, but we know what our readers want, and we. it was easy for us to give them what they wanted because it was it was fun and it was what we would want anyway. So it was great to be. I mean, we all wanted the same things. It was there was no conflict about the kind of book we were writing. You know, it's my husband kept saying, "Well, now, Kale, you know, you got to." come on now, is that really going to push the story forward? And what's the story here? And is, is this, a, this is a mystery. It's a murder mystery. You gotta, and I kept saying, you know what? We know our reader, and our reader really wants to hear about the romance, the wedding, fashion, the, the fact, <laughs> all that stuff. Women want to hear about that, and they're willing to, to mix that with a murder mystery. He was one of the men who couldn't quite understand that, but trust us, they do want that.
0: It sounds like maybe were there ten authors? <laughs> <laughs> no,
4: no, not at all. Not in fact, I think a couple husbands didn't even read the book this time. Maybe, um, you know, didn't re, pre, pre-read it. Um, no, we. I don't think much. Many of us get a lot of uh, real heavy feedback. I mean, mm-hmm. my husband is involved in the editing part of it, and and I always give him my chapters to edit before I send them in to everyone because he's a really good copy editor and so I you know he gets all my typos and all that kind of thing so that's how he got a chance to see it but um, he doesn't really have a pen in this one (laughs) okay (laughs) now
0: uh, I have to ask or here in the computer age and Judith sent me email Uh, do you guys exchange chapters via email Yes. Yes. yes Wow, that's Absolutely. I'm impressed. <laughs> do you what kind of uh, do you use any features of the word processor to keep track of your changes and like uh, the revision <laughs> change stuff? That you're using Word, I guess.
2: Yeah, actually, at the end, uh, I get a copy of the chapter once we've really worked on it and we think okay, we're going to move on now. And so I keep the actual manuscript. That's a paid, paper. My computer.
0: Oh, no, you keep the, 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 electronic, the manuscript. electronic
2: manuscript. The electronic manuscript, yes. And then um, any time we need to change. So, for example, we uh, switch chapters. Um, now mm-hmm. and then we would say, oh, this one works better there. And, and that's so easy to do on mm-hmm. the computer. And um, so by the end, uh, when we were finally ready for our first manuscript, I just uh, took a CD down to Kinko's and had it. Printed out and, and with this uh, little binding that they do. And it, it does the job, it's not really expensive. And um, our first manuscript we worked on, it, it, they were just torn apart. We, mm-hmm. we just really, because it was the first time we could see our book. Mm.
4: And Mary Beth brings her computer to the meetings. And so if we have a question about a word, we do a word search and see how many times we've said that word in the document. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, we, we used that computer-generated um, manuscript a lot, or the, the, the computer form of the manuscript a lot, because we wanted to find out, you know, how, how have we treated the word t-shirt throughout mm-hmm. the manuscript? Because we kept finding different ways we spelled it, and so what's the real spelling, and go back and find out where we spelled it. You know, it, it's pretty, when you have five voices, you don't. You have five minds, and and everybody's got a different idea of how to say something. And so, it's really important to be able to go back and see how how we said something about a person in four different chapters.
0: And so, what's the consensus? Is it capital T dash shirt? No dash. No dash.
4: Did we T- dash it? No.
0: T space shirt. That's nice to know. I was wondering myself. <laughs>
4: well, that was one of our hot and heavy fights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I've been
0: speaking with Misty W. Moonfree. That's Pat Pease, Mary Beth Varcados, Gail Ortiz, Tommy Newman and Judith Feynman, their new book is A Killer Festival, A Capitola Mystery. When does it debut? We'll all be down at the Capitola Book Cafe. Last time I remember, it was like a riot scene. <laughs> I was kind of scary. It was fun. <laughs> yes. Uh, it
4: will. Uh, we will be at the Capitola Book Cafe this September the 11th. It's a Thursday night at 7.30. We will also be signing books at the Begonia Festival at the Nautical Parade on Sunday, August 31st. Uh, on the near the Stockton Bridge, right out in front of Armida Winery. So we'll be there. Our books will be at the, their booth all weekend. Um, and we don't have any other dates set for where we're going to be, but the book will be available in bookstores and Gail's Bakery on aug- about aug- August 24th, the weekend of August 24th.
0: Thank you for joining me, Gail. And ladies, thank you very much.
4: Thank,
5: thank you. you. Thank you.